And this morning, uh, our message is about provision, God's provision. Uh, and what does that look like in some unique situations here in Elijah's life? And so, if you have a Bible, uh, if you'd open to 1 Kings chapter 17, there's also some Bibles in the pew ahead of you. I really want to encourage you to grab one and follow along. Uh, this is a narrative. And um, so there's some things that's just really helpful if you have it right in front of you. Um, it would be really great for you to follow along. I'm going to be reading 1 Kings chapter 17, uh, verse 7 through 16. If you'd follow along. This is on the heels of what we talked about last time. Um, remember King Ahab and Jezebel, they're rulers, they're pagans. Um, they've threatened the prophets of God. Elijah comes in the authority of God Almighty proclaims a drought's coming. There's going to be no dew nor rain. And Ahab and Jezebel worship Baal, which their claim is Baal is the one who provides all those things. And so Ahab stands in confrontation, basically gets in their face. And then God says, okay, Elijah, I want you to get away for a while. Go to this brook of Cherith. And I'll, I'll send the Raven Catering Service. They'll take care of you. You're going to have bread. You're going to have sandwiches. You're going to have all the water, from a clear water from a brook. Don't worry, I'll take care of you. But, but just go, get away for a while. And on the heels of that, this is what takes place. Verse 7. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, That'd be Elijah saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he rose, went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please, get me a little water in a jar that I might drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please, bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I'm gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go, do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me. And afterward, you may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain in the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. What happens when your brook dries up? I mean, think about it. What happens when that which you've trusted in to provide for you dries up? When the stuff you depend upon is no longer there? How do you respond? How would you respond if that happened? Would there be panic? Would you despair? You see, we don't expect the job release letter we don't expect medical issues. We don't expect the breakdowns that occur in life. We don't plan on money running low. Because when that happens, 
it means that something different needs to happen. It means there's going to be change. There's going to be a new direction. And nobody likes that. Because in our mind, in this circumstance, is when it dries up, when everything seems to be running out, we wonder, okay, if I go in that way, will there be provision that way? And we begin to base our decisions on where will there be provision? Not where is God leading? I'm sure that when you entered the workforce, um, college students are there. Maybe you went back to school after a season of employment somewhere else. And in that process of, of schooling and different things, the question comes, okay, what job should I take? Where should I go? Should I move? Should I relocate? What should I do? And often you, we base our decision, understandably so, on where we'll make the most to provide. I mean, that's really the standard of decision-making. I'm glad Elijah didn't use that. Matter of fact, Elijah didn't have a choice. Because through this account in Elijah's life, we learn significant lessons for our lives. Especially when we face a loss which brings hardship from that which pressures our resources. There's some things, some lessons we need to grab out of here. Two primarily, I hope we grab a hold of. One is, this text makes unequivocally clear, God alone is the source of all provision. You see, whenever we start trusting things and they dry up, we begin to panic. We don't know where to go, and we can really slide towards trusting the job, the bank account, our own efforts. And we think it's our sustenance. We think those things are the things that are providing for us. One author once said, never mistake the radio for the musician. <laughs> in other words, there's someone behind all that you have. God is your source. Don't mistake that. God's the one who provides for you. And believe me, God's the one who can take it all away. God's the source. And he uses various sources to provide. In this case, what came after Cherith? I mean, if we look at verse 7, it says, And it happened after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Now what? Well, Elijah looks, the brook's dry, no water. Now what? What should he do? What would you do? I mean, we might start drawing up a plan and saying, well, the only place I know where there's food is over here, or, or we begin to think about, man, I, you know, God brought me out here in the middle of nowhere. What was he thinking? I mean, yeah, I had some food for water for a little bit, but uh, did God not know that it would dry up eventually? I, I don't know what went through his mind, but you've got to ask the question, what came after Cherith? Elijah did not know, but he did know that God knew, and that was enough. And sometimes that's all we need, right? That God knows that's enough because he's a good God. He knows our future, and he knows what we need. And God tells Elijah, I got another source. I got another avenue of provision. You see, God's not dependent upon what we think is, our, is, is or should be our source. What God draws up for Elijah is not only surprising, but had to have been challenging to Elijah. Let me explain. 
This avenue of this new source was not a brook, which was dry. (laughs) It was a poor widow in Zarephath. Now, Zarephath doesn't mean much to us, but I want to explain a little bit about it. In this context right now, Elijah's kind of looking over his shoulder at Jezebel and Ahab. Well, guess what city Jezebel was from? Zarephath. And guess who oversaw the region, who was king of that region? Jezebel's daddy. So God says, I got an idea, Elijah. Let's lead you to the Baal belt, Zarephath, and I'm going to provide for you there. And it's going to be from a poor old widow. Oh, there's a plan. I mean, right? I mean, it's absurd. First of all, last place in the world he wants to go. And the most unlikely person who would provide. And so as we go through this, we see a lady who's poor, and where she lives is a problem, potential danger. It doesn't make any sense. Sometimes God's leading doesn't make sense. And maybe if you're like me, often his leading doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. But it's not just any lady who's providing. She's a poor widow. She's got no husband, no money, no food. She's got very little, and pretty soon, maybe no son, no life. I mean, she's exhausted all her resources. She's got nothing. She's a helpless woman in an idle environment and where Elijah's led. Would you have gone along with such a plan? Would any of you here hesitated? I would have. I could, I could see myself rationalizing it. I could see myself second-guessing, saying, God, I'm not, that can't be you. That doesn't make sense. Why would I go there? And, and maybe I'm alone in the room, but that just doesn't make sense. It's interesting, if you go to the New Testament, Jesus is teaching in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4, verse 24, and he's, as he opens the scroll in the synagogue, I, I just think this is amazing, he reads out of the book of Isaiah, and he says, you know who Isaiah was talking about? Me. That's an amazing scene, isn't it? Jesus picking up and reading and saying, this prophecy is about me. Well, he goes on as he's talking, and he says to those who are listening, truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. But I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came all over the land, and yet Elijah was sent to none of them. That wasn't God's plan for Elijah. But only to Zarephath, in the land of Sidon, to a woman who wasn't a widow. She made it into the pages of the New Testament. How cool is that? I mean, this widow, this poor widow, nobody probably knew about in Zarephath, Jesus talks about her. That's pretty cool. And he says, Elijah wasn't sent to who you would have thought he would have been sent to. In other words, God's plan is more encompassing than what his hearers thought, and even far more than what we think. His plan is greater. Elijah was sent to this widow, this poor widow. And it's a surprising avenue of provision, to say the least. If you belong to God, you need to know he can take care of you. 
You obey him and trust him to be God, for he is. Because God's the source, and you'll never know how he's going to do it, but he'll do it. And many of you can testify, times in your life you're like, there's zero in this checkbook. There's zero in our account. I got no job, or everything's running low, or what I bring in isn't matching here. I don't know how as I look back. I have no idea how we got through there. I couldn't explain it to you. Other than God somehow made the numbers work because he's your source. Now, verse 10 presents a dilemma. As I read this, so he came and went to Zarephath, and I stopped there. Okay, if I'm Elijah, go to a widow in Zarephath, and the first question I have is, what widow? So widow number one? So door number two? Am I going to have to go knock around doors and say, are you a widow that maybe God's prompting you? How do you figure out who is the right widow? How does he find this new source? How does he find out what God's leading and God's will is here? Now, if that's not relevant, I don't know what is. I mean, there's probably not a person in here who hasn't asked the question, God, where are you leading me? What's your will for me in this situation? That's why Paul says in Romans, the Old Testament scriptures were written to teach us, to encourage us so we could have hope. And so we go back to the Old Testament and we find a lesson. We find encouragement. We find hope that God provides and that he leads. And that sometimes it's awfully surprising how he does it. But how does he find out? Well, there's a principle. When you obey God in the general... He provides more specifically. He'll lead you in the specific. If you're not following him, why should he lead you specifically? You're not even following him in the general. But Elijah obeys, and as he enters the town, God moves this widow at the right time to be gathering sticks. And he calls to her. This is, this is almost to me a little humorous. It wouldn't have been back then, but as I look back on it. Please get me, Elijah says, a little water in a jar that I may drink. This is completely a stranger to him. He has no idea who this woman is. He's probably guessing. If you were told a a widow's going to feed you and you come upon a woman picking up sticks, why would you pick up sticks back then? It's to start a fire, probably to make a meal. He's like... Let's start with this one. Is this the one, he wonders? Is this the person God is going to use to provide for me? I don't know. So I'm going to take a step in that direction. And so he does. And some of you here will be led this next year in a surprising way. You're going to look at circumstances that happen, and you're going to look all wrong. It's just not going to make sense. And you'll fight the thought that God is leading in that direction because not only is it surprising, but it's unexpected and it may not really match up with how you envision the future. But like Elijah, one of the lessons here is be sensitive to who God puts in your path. Elijah was. He saw the woman and he went, took a step and said, let's see if this is where God's leading. And God reveals to Elijah through this, obviously by this woman's response, verse 11. And as she's going to get it, he calls to her and says, now this is pretty bold. 
bring me a piece of bread in your hand. They don't know each other. Hey, could you get me some water? And she's going. He called, hey, whoa, whoa, I need some bread too. So she says, wait, I can't. Because as the Lord, God, your God lives, I have no bread. All I got's a little handful of flour, probably not a very big hand, in a bowl and a little oil in the jar. Behold, I'm gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. That's the reality of this woman's situation. And this guy wants basically her last meal. He doesn't know that's what he's asking, at least in her mind, but that's what he's asking. He says, I need bread. I need water. Could you get it for me? This woman has this problem, the same problem Elijah has. They got no food. And she states what she has, and it doesn't add up. Think about this. Elijah's asking her to give something out of her nothing, and so she gives her nothing, and it becomes something. How does that work? How can nothing become something? And how can you give very little and have it become something? Only when God's involved, that's how. In verse 9, God had said to him, I've directed a widow there. So God's behind the scenes. Elijah, you go do what I said. Believe me, I'm directing things. Don't worry about it. I got this. Just go do what I'm telling you to do. So God provides naturally, but when the natural dries up, the supernatural provisions begin. And God wants to make it abundantly clear he is the source of all our provisions. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? If you do, does he also not have the right to dry up your brook? If he is the source of it all, doesn't he have the right to direct it whatever direction he wants? Absolutely. When you're Lord, you can do that. I also thought it interesting as we consider the first way he provided through the raven catering service. These were unclean birds according to the law. And according to the law, or at least to the Jewish people, this woman's unclean. She's a Gentile. So God uses two very unexpected avenues to provide for Elijah. God's ways are surprising. God provides in the past so there can be a link to the future that we would know God's the source. We often don't know how he'll come through, but he will. It's my hope, it's my anchor, he'll not let me go. And I hope it's your hope and your anchor to know God will not let you go. He will provide for you. There's a second lesson here. God's supernatural requires faith to be experienced. As you break between verse 9 and 10, Elijah could have reasoned, I can't go there. It's a land of devil worship. There's a poor widow. What are you talking about? But he believed God and he obeyed. Again, if you were in Elijah's shoes, we'd be facing some challenge. One is the challenge of first impressions. As he walks into this city, he sees this poor widow. I'm sure he's thinking, man, just, did I really hear right? I mean, how is this going to work? But he believed God, and he obeyed. And if we were in Eliza's shoes, we'd be facing that same challenge, a challenge of first impression. Did he find the wrong widow? Should he move on? Surely not this woman. She couldn't be God's vessel, and so he potentially wrestled. 
There's the physical impossibility. The woman's eyes, understandably, were on a handful of flour in a bowl and a little bit of oil in a jar. It was physically impossible to keep two people, let alone three, alive on such a scant amount. But Elijah's eyes were on God, who provides, and he wanted her to have faith to put God first. And notice her response. But she said, as the Lord your God lives, in other words, I'm telling the truth, she recognized somehow Elijah was God's chosen man. He belonged to Yahweh. Elijah's answer to her as she says, basically, I'm dying. I don't have anything left. He says, do not fear. Go, do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me. And afterward, you may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel. I love verse 14. I love the beginning. In other words, Elijah doesn't say, this is what I say. This isn't Elijah's word. This is God's word. This is the word of the Lord I'm sharing with you. Don't trust what I'm saying. This is God's word. And while it doesn't make sense, be assured, this is God. This is God speaking. This is God's leading. So not only do they face the challenge of first impressions, but a physical impossibility. And I just like the tenderness of Elijah's response. I don't know why I like that. It just seems like it comes across tender. Do not fear. We, we would maybe say, it's going to be okay. I know it looks hopeless, and I know the cupboard's really bare, but it's going to be okay. God's got this. And so he begins to lay out the plan of what she's supposed to do. Elijah knew from personal experience, not secondhand stories, that God comes through when he says he will. And the question is not, are you and I willing to discuss faith, but are we willing to exercise faith? You and I exercise faith when we do what God says to do. Faith is essentially acting like God's telling the truth, because that's all God can do is tell the truth. Faith is act, acting upon that. If you don't trust God enough to act there's a good probability you don't know God's miraculous provision. It'll always be someone else's testimony. Never yours because you never stepped out in faith. You didn't trust. Verse 12 through 14, God says, or Elijah says, God told me to tell you, if you obey, it will be the greatest investment you'll ever make. And when God wanted to move, it was not among the Jewish widows. He chose a pagan widow because she believed God. We recognize verse 12. We recognize as we go on that she listens to what the word of the Lord was from Elijah. She obeys it. And so God says, God told me, or Elijah says, God told me to tell you. She believed God lives. And both believed and both experienced miraculous provision. Unbelief keeps us from experiencing the supernatural provision of God. Too many talk about faith, but deep down they're not sure. And when the brook dries up, you and I need supernatural help. God's looking for men and women who believe. Who believe that God can do anything. Who believe that God is the source. Who believe that no matter how confusing the future may look, God is in complete control of it. You and I are called to trust him and to refuse to try to do it our way. This widow gave away the very thing she needed more of. I just find this an amazing dynamic. 
She gave away the very thing she needed more of. That's just not practical. But she didn't need practical. She needed supernatural help. She needed a miracle. I wonder how many times God asks us to give in ways that maybe seem impractical. Maybe God leads you, puts somebody on your heart, and you're like, gosh, I feel compelled to live, but... And you begin, we begin to think in terms of practicality, not biblical, God-led obedience. Because our logic sometimes becomes too important. Biblical obedience sometimes, following God, doesn't always seemingly seem to make sense. But this woman witnessed a miracle. Look what happens. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and as she and he and her she and he, your son, in her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. She went to her cupboard day after day, opened the cupboards, and went, praise God from whom all blessings flow, because I got bread and I got oil. Next day, opened the cupboards. God did it again. Next day, he just kept providing. He just kept pouring it out. It's the way God is. He's the source. There's not a day she didn't open the cupboard. I'm sure she remembered who provided what's in there. And it all happened because she gave out of her nothingness, which became something. She gave her nothingness to Elijah. And God gave to her provision. God provided in amazing, miraculous ways here. And this isn't about some prosperity gospel that if we have enough faith that we can kind of somehow uh, move God to give us a bunch of stuff. That's not it at all. It's just a lesson that says God responds to faith when we obey him. God provides. He provides what we need. And he never lets us forget that he's the source. And maybe God's leading you in a very confusing direction. Or maybe you feel compelled to do something that just practically doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, but you're sure God's leading you in that direction. This story's for you. And I really hope that you'll hang on it and pour over the pages of what it's trying to say. Because the applications are very, very relevant to our lives. First of all, God's leading is often surprising and unexpected. Don't confuse it. If you know it's God, Obey. Trust. If God tells you to go Zarephath, then go. Whether you can make sense of it or not. If he leads you to stay where you are, then don't rack your brain trying to figure it out. He sees the whole picture. You don't. And although impressions and challenges might even make it harder, don't stop. Go where he tells you to go. What would have happened if Elijah had given up or rationalized away the command of God? People would have starved. God would have been robbed of a perfectly good opportunity to show his might, his power, his wisdom, and his grace. God's leading is often surprising and unexpected. Don't confuse it. Two, God's promises often depend on obedience. Don't ignore your part. Elijah was commanded to go, arise, and stay. The widow was, was told to go. And in each case, obedience preceded the provision. So remember to do your part when God promises to provide for you. 
Number three, God's provisions are often just enough. Don't fail to thank him. It seems our culture is always wanting a little more, right? We just want a little more or a little newer. An iPhone 6 is too old. I want an iPhone this. Or this car is getting a little old. I, I want a newer. It seems like we always want a little more, and God says, I'm going to give you just enough. And why would you want, why would I give you more if you're not willing to thank me when I give you just enough? Don't fail to thank God. Biscuits and water filled hungry stomachs and sustained a household throughout a devastating drought. And have you thanked God for all that you have, how he's met your needs? And have you sought to enrich others with what he's given you? Don't get stuck wanting more. Give thanks for all that you have. God might be leading some here and challenging you. And you feel really challenged by that leading. It's different than you expected. It's not quite what you would have drawn up. Maybe you're concerned about provisions if you go down that road. Remember this story. You see, God's writing your story, so give up the pen. And trust him to provide where he leads. Because he is a God of great provision. He's a God of great grace. And Elijah learned that lesson. The widow learned that lesson. And Lord, might we learn that lesson. Let's pray. Lord, my, my prayer for myself and my brothers and sisters is really simple. Give us greater faith to follow your leading. Give us greater faith to trust your ability to provide as we obey. And help us to know as we follow you that you'll never let us go. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.